Well, hello everyone, it's Stuart and welcome to the iFormRx podcast. iFormRx is an online community of practice for ambulatory care and community pharmacists, where we explore the evidence that informs practice. And our goal is to help you use the best available evidence to make informed decisions and to expand the frontiers of practice. If you're not already a member of iFormRx, please join us. It's free to all health professionals, students, and residents. All you need to do is head on over to our website, iformerx.org, and sign up today. Today, we're going to talk about hearing loss and hearing aids. As many of our listeners likely know, hearing loss is very common. Nearly 30 million people in the United States have some degree of hearing loss. And among those who are age 60 or older, nearly one in three have hearing loss. And hearing loss negatively impacts quality of life, is associated with a number of negative health outcomes. Surprisingly, despite the fact that hearing loss is very common in older adults, Medicare does not pay for hearing aids. Medicare Part B will pay for a diagnostic hearing test, but they do not cover hearing aids. And that may explain why less than 20% of adults with hearing loss who might benefit from a hearing aid actually purchase and use a hearing aid. Until recently, patients could only obtain a hearing aid from a licensed hearing professional. However, in 2022, the FDA finalized the criteria for over-the-counter hearing aids for patients with mild to moderate hearing loss. And the goal of all of this has been to make hearing aids more accessible and affordable, which is great, but many are concerned about the effectiveness of these less expensive models and worry that patients aren't getting appropriate guidance. So a few months ago, I stumbled across a research article about the effectiveness of OTC self-fitted hearing aids, and I instantly knew who I needed to invite to review this paper. So Dr. Lucas Barenbrock and Dr. Elaine Mormer from the University of Pittsburgh are a dynamic duo who have co-authored several studies together about hearing loss, hearing aids, and preparing pharmacists to advocate and educate patients regarding OTC hearing aids. Luke is an ambulatory care pharmacy specialist who practices in the UPMC Primary Care Precision Medicine Clinic, and Elaine is an audiologist and vice chair for clinical education in the School of Health and Rehabilitation Science at the University of Pittsburgh. In addition to producing some really great scholarly works together, Luke and Elaine have won several teaching awards, so I'm delighted to welcome both of them as first-time contributors to iFormerX. Luke, Elaine, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Stuart. We're really happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation, Stuart. It's great to be here. So before we dissect the research article that you reviewed in your iFormerX commentary, I'd like to start by asking you about your professional journey. How did the two of you meet? The University of Pittsburgh and UPMC is a huge institution and has like, what, 15,000 employees, perhaps more. I, I think this is truly unique interprofessional collaboration and a model for other pharmacists and audiologists to follow. Yeah, Stuart, it's a great story that we tell over and over again. Despite how big our institutions are, the University of Pittsburgh and UPMC, Elaine and I found each other through a, a cold call. So I learned that Elaine is an audiologist on campus 
and that she does some clinical experiences with her student audiologists, much like what I was doing in our experiential learning program at the School of Pharmacy. And I wanted to work with Elaine when we went out to senior community centers to talk about medications and do those brown bag reviews that are so famous within pharmacy. And I thought, what else do older adults need? And I thought about hearing. And so Elaine brought her students with me and our students worked together. My students from pharmacy took a look at the medication lists and her students from audiology did some simple hearing screenings. They taught each other about it. And that's when Elaine and I thought, wow, this is a really great partnership. We both serve older adults. We both have this expertise and there's something that we can do together. At the same time, Elaine off the cuff said, Luke, did you hear that there's going to be something called OTC hearing aids? The law was just passed. It was signed by the president. They're coming to pharmacy soon. And it totally exploded my mind. I had not heard of anyone in pharmacy talking about this. And so I said to Elaine, I think we have something here. I think this is a, a good thing for us to work together to try to prepare the profession of pharmacy to work with audiology. And as we thought about that together, realizing that the prevalence of hearing loss, that 28 million people could benefit from hearing aids and all the consequences of untreated hearing loss, things like dementia, depression, social isolation, all of those things led us to think there's got to be more that we can do. If accessibility and affordability, as you mentioned, drove that legislation for over-the-counter hearing aids, when people think of over-the-counter, they're thinking of the pharmacy counter. So that was really the beginning of us thinking big thoughts about educating pharmacists, getting pharmacists to work together with audiologists to try to increase the number of people who can receive help for their hearing loss. So Elaine, let's talk about the paper that appeared in JAMA, Otolaryngology, Head and Neck Surgery. And I know that's a journal that I can honestly say I have never read before. In fact, I never heard of it before. And I doubt our, any of our listeners subscribe to it. But the paper was published in June 2023, and it is entitled Effectiveness of an Over-the-Counter Self-Fitting Hearing Aid Compared with an Audiologist Fitted Hearing Aid a Randomized Clinical Trial. Now, we, of course, have posted a link to the original paper on the iFormerX website, but I hope you can summarize the methods and key findings of the study for our audience. I'm happy to do that, Stuart, but I will note that I'm surprised you don't have the JAMA otolaryngology in your library at home. In this study, the participants were people who responded to an advertisement for having a self-perception of mild to moderate hearing loss. And that's important to understand who was in the study. And they were provided with a pair of over-the-counter hearing aids. So all of the participants were given over-the-counter hearing aids. Now, half of those participants were given the over-the-counter hearing aids just the way they would get them at any store, at a pharmacy or any retail outlet. And they would follow the directions, unbox them, and self-fit them. In that process, there is a hearing test through the hearing aids that the listener does on their own, and then they can make some self-adjustments. The other half of the group 
was fit with the same hearing aids, but the fitting was managed by an audiologist. And for those patients, they had a hearing test called an audiogram done in a soundproof booth the way that anybody going to an audiologist would have. I will just say that though after the initial screening, when they actually tested all of the participants, there were 25% of those people who responded to the ad who indeed did not have mild to moderate hearing loss, or they had another contraindication to the use of an OTC hearing aid, and they were not included in the study. At any rate, the outcome measures after people were fit and used these hearing aids included the listener's self-report of listening difficulties that they had, and a measure of speech understanding ability in a noisy background. Neither of the groups were allowed to request help after the initial fitting until week two of the study, and this study went on for six weeks. After the first two weeks, people in the self-fitted group showed a, a bit better performance with the device in background noise. But in the end, at the end of the six-week study period, none of the outcome measures showed a statistically significant difference. So I, I think we all recognize that every study has strengths and potential weaknesses. And admittedly, this study had a relatively small number of participants. But I'm wondering if you believe the findings are reassuring, suggesting that many, perhaps most patients, would do just as well with a self-fitted OTC hearing aid and really don't require a professional fitting. Or do you think this study has some significant flaws, confounders, and potential biases that leave you somewhat skeptical? Stuart, I'm going to start with the strengths. And I want to go back to the inclusionary and exclusionary criteria, the methods of the paper. I really applaud the way that this study was designed in that they included people only who were adults with perceived mild to moderate hearing loss. And then they excluded patients in which it would be unsafe or likely ineffective for them to use the OTC fitted hearing aid. And that was really to the letter of the FDA regulations and what's going to appear on OTC hearing aid labels. And so that's the criteria that pharmacists are going to use when patients come to the pharmacy and they ask for help when they're picking up these hearing aids for themselves or for others. So I really liked that part of the study because it really studied the people who pharmacists are going to be interacting with. And another comment about the strengths, they did collect the data over a period of six weeks. So they really did follow up on these listeners so that it wasn't just a one-time fit the hearing aid and see how they're doing in a week. And I think this was really helpful because as audiologists working with patients with new amplification, new hearing aids. We know that it takes anywhere from two weeks to a month or, or six weeks for a listener's brain to adjust to the new experience of amplification. Often in studies, it's a shortfall if they're making measurements too close to the initial fitting. So that was a strength. On the other hand, basically what they did was an, an over-the-counter hearing aid for both groups. So that's great if you're looking just at the technology alone in OTC, but audiologists fit hearing aids 
would typically not be an OTC hearing aid. So there's a bigger difference. The thing to measure is not just the performance on the technology itself, but the satisfaction with the entire experience and usability. For example, audiologists will have fit hearing aids that might have a greater range of functions and features than an OTC hearing aid. They may be able to better customize the fitting of the hearing aid, not just for the sound perception, but even for how it fits in the ear. So we do a lot of custom molding of devices to fit better or for better retention in the ear. So I think this was a good study to show that based on the technology alone, maybe there won't be great differences for some patients. But for me, it's a bigger picture when we think about the services that audiologists provide and how that might have impacted self-reported outcomes if the patients went through a typical audiologist fit service. Elaine, one other thing that I really liked that the authors included in the study is when they collected the information about the support that the patients requested from both groups. And I think one of the things that is still unknown that really guides some future research is how much support after purchase do people need when they buy an OTC device from a pharmacy rather than a prescription device from an audiologist. And I think that's the big question here is how much support will pharmacists need to do post-purchase? How much support are, are pharmacists willing to do in their business models and in their patient care process? And how much support do patients need outside of the remote call center that most of the manufacturers have set up? But those people who need some hands-on help, what can we do from the pharmacy to support them to be successful with these devices? Well, I'm sure you believe, as I do, that pharmacists can and, and should play a bigger role in identifying patients with potential hearing loss, screening for medications in particular that can contribute to hearing loss, referring patients for testing, and assisting patients by educating and, and troubleshooting OTC hearing aids. But this is a topic that's not typically covered in most doctor or pharmacy curricula, or at least not much depth. So where can a pharmacist learn more about hearing loss and OTC hearing aids and get more training? Stuart, Elaine and I really wanted to take a two-pronged approach to educating the profession of pharmacy, educating the practitioners who would be seeing it go live on day one, which was October of 2022, but then also educating students so that when they graduate, they're ready for practice or whenever they're on IPPEs and APPEs, they could use these skills. One of the things that Elaine and I did was to build a competency-based training program, knowing that there were some gaps in the PharmD curriculum because pharmacists aren't trained to be hearing experts. Those are audiologists, just like how audiologists aren't trained to be medication experts. But we wanted to build some training to give pharmacists enough to feel confident that they would be able to help when OTC hearing aids were on the shelves. Uh, so we worked with professional organizations representing both audiology and pharmacy. We're really proud to say the American Pharmacists Association has a training program called Pharmacy-Based OTC Hearing Aids that Elaine and I created here at the University of Pittsburgh. It awards three continuing pharmacy education hours for pharmacists who are interested in learning more. And I think it's a great way to prepare for selling the device 
and then also collaborating with audiologists when people either don't meet the inclusionary and exclusionary criteria or when people need extra help. Maybe they're coming back to the pharmacy to return the device because the OTC didn't really meet what they needed, but they still have hearing loss. The other things that kind of supplement that formalized training program is the work that Elaine and I have been doing with the audiology professional organizations. That's the American Academy of Audiology, which reviewed the training program on APHA's website. And then also the American Speech Language Hearing Association, which has a lot of great tools and resources for pharmacists about OTC hearing aids. And a lot of those resources and tools were reviewed by Elaine and I. So we're really trying to take an approach in which we're bringing our professions together, not just out of respect, but understanding that there's so many people with hearing loss and that pharmacists can be a part of that answer, but in, in no way replacing the really unique work that audiologists do. Yeah, I would add to that that at this point, it, it's really not clear where OTC hearing aids will fit into the practice of audiologists. But what is clear, there will be many patients coming and seeking OTC hearing aids, and they won't actually be good candidates. And in many, if not most of those cases, they would be great people to make referrals to an audiologist. So in that framework, I think that pharmacists can make connections with audiologists so that they are comfortable making referrals when referrals are appropriate. And again, that could be for patients who come in and think that they want an OTC hearing aid, but it's clear that they're not a candidate, or if they've gotten OTC hearing aids and they're not working out well, an audiologist can help them. And I think that making connections with audiologists can be really, really helpful. There is, of course, this fear of turf issues. And of course, there are many audiologists who are uncomfortable with the notion of OTC hearing aids at all. But I think if they understand that pharmacists want to work with them collaboratively and will make those referrals, that can actually go in both directions, then there's an opportunity to just make it better for all of these patients with hearing loss. Well, Luke, Elaine, I'm, I'm so pleased that you agreed to author the commentary on the study. And I'm grateful that you're sharing your wisdom with us here on iFormerX on our podcast today. And I hope some of our listeners will be inspired to learn more and potentially make this a routine part of their community or ambulatory care practice. And if you're already providing OTC hearing aids in your practice, tell us about your experience so far. Remember, only iFormerX members can leave comments and use the interactive features. And, and I know many of you are using iFormerX content for board recertification purposes. We've partnered with the American Pharmacists Association to create the Literature Evaluation and Evidence-Based Practice series which is part of their board prep and recertification program. And if you'd like to learn more, just click on the link that's posted below the written commentary on our website. And lastly, I want to thank Jan Carmichael, one of the early pioneers at Ambulatory Care Pharmacy who contributed to many population health initiatives at the Veterans Administration as a clinical pharmacy coordinator for the Sierra Nevada healthcare system starting in the early 1980s, and then later in her career as a vision leader. Jan was president of the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, 
She chaired the Board of Pharmaceutical Specialties and was named Federal Pharmacist of the Year by APHA, among many other awards she's received during her career. Jan retired from the VA a few years ago, but I still see posts from her on LinkedIn from time to time. So she's still actively advocating for the profession and the important role that pharmacists can play in healthcare. So thank you, Jan, for your pioneering spirit and for paving the way for so many ambulatory care pharmacists. Well, until next time, this is Stuart Haynes, Editor-in-Chief of iFormerX, signing off.